Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The clock is ticking. We are running out of time. Evil is rising second by second. We all cry out, ho, what have you done to our sheriff? The New York Times is calling it the television event of the millennium. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. We are talking HBO's Watchmen season one, episode one. It's summer and we are running out of ice. The After Buzz After Show starts right now. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, with the buzz. Talk, TikTok, 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 TikTok. TikTok. I don't know whose side I would be on on this, but this was wow is the Heavy. only word. It was a lot. <laughs> exactly like Heavy. we we literally have just watched the show, and we are all Watchmen. Mm. Yeah. Who watches The Watchmen? I don't know, but I'll tell you who watches the uh, after show of The Watchmen. All of you at home, thank you so much for being here with us. We are the Watchmen after show panel. All the way to my left is my main man, Ryan. Part of the dream team is in the building. He's more excited than the people who actually made the show. I'm really excited. I'm the biggest Damon Lindelof fan on earth. The Leftovers is my favorite show of all time. I love Lost, so I've been waiting for this show all year. Could not believe I got to be on a panel with Tehran, and I'm just so excited to be here today, and you know what? Drew and I are your Watchmen pals. Boom. That's how it works, and if you don't know, to my left, but to Ryan's right, is my personal nemesis. <laughs> the arch villain known as Drew is in the building. I am not your arch nemesis. My arch nemesis. Listen, I'm just here for Regina King. Okay? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I love her. She's, she's the my, best. She's my favorite. She was amazing. Coming off the Oscar win, yeah. She should win an Oscar for this. I know they don't give Oscars for TV shows. I mean, there's a thing called the Emmys. Yeah, yeah, but not enough oh. for what happened in the show. No, that's fair. And we're going to talk about that by we, I mean me, I am Tehran. I will be hosting and paneling on this panel. But of course, all of you at home, you are as much, if not more so, a part of this panel. So thank you for being here. We are talking HBO's Watchmen Season 1, Episode 1. It's summer and we are running out of ice. We will break down this episode as follows. Parallel thought, noticeable changes in our timeline, and the nods that we saw to the Watchmen graphic novel and movie that happened. There were a lot of tits. I know that Ryan and Drew are both Watchmen graphic novel fans, so it's good to have them here. Uh, Nate will be joining us in the following weeks, and I know he knows a lot about the Watchmen as well. That opening, that 1921 Tulsa riot scene was very strong for an opening scene for a show that we didn't know what to expect from Sheriff Crawford and the police department. That was very surreal. The Dark Knight, yes, Sister Knight herself, Miss Regina King, is in the building, so we're going to discuss her 7th Cavalry. Uh, That is a lot more than 3Ks, and yet they Hmm. double that in plus one. The raid, the raid on that that uh, cattle ranch riding dirty my man in the wheelchair who is that guy what is it about and how did he get the sheriff in the tree country estate we saw this lord we saw this manor we saw some servants but we didn't see much more we'll talk about that we have a wonderful special segment buy or sell ryan 
Buy or sell? Yeah, really excited to talk about that later. It's just what what aspect of the show we are buying and selling. Is there something that we're really into, looking forward to the rest of the season? There's something that didn't quite work for us. That's buy or sell for later. That's right. Some news and gossip, predictions, and much more. Let's start with some overall thoughts. I'm very interested in knowing how you felt about the show and this very first premiere episode, Drew. It was a like it was a sensory overload, I think. It was a lot to take in, a lot to process, a lot to watch, especially the opening scene with Tulsa. That was uh kind of hard to watch on certain levels. But I'm like really into this show so far. Now, Ryan wasn't as aware of the nineteen twenty one Tulsa reference, and when we told you you were <laughs> just in awe Shuck. and shock, dismayed, you were more sensitive to it than everyone else. Oh, I, w- I was just really surprised. It set the tone for the series right off the bat, and it looks like this series is really talking about police brutality, and it's making a commentary on that uh, through superheroes wearing masks, through police officers wearing masks. It was a lot to unpack, like a Damon Lindelof pilot usually is. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to to dive into it, but um, yeah, just that, that opening sequence really setting the tone on um, what what this show is really talking about with certain topics. Were you were you immediately a fan? I am I'm a huge fan of Damon Lindelof, so they kind of have yes, me to begin with. Yes, if you say with. his name one more I know, time. I know, I gotta say his I name. I think you should but break up. We should start a drinking game. We yeah. should. <laughs> we should. Take one. But I, I was immediately enamored with with the fact that they're taking on this really sensitive topic through through Watchmen. And I think uh, just facing it head on with that sequence and you're saying it the historical accuracy I mean Watchmen in and of itself this universe, this alternate timeline changes a few things in history like we went we won the Vietnam War. Uh, Richard Nixon was president for a lot longer and sure. now we have Robert Redford as president for a lot longer. I, and we're going to get into all of that when we get into, into that parallel that, thoughts. I was very satisfied. I'm glad because I was a big fan immediately once the tone was set with this reference and when we're watching i didn't know what to expect but once the tone was set with this tulsa and the take this fresh take on watchmen where we're not explaining what happened we will catch you up which they did so well through the subtle nuances and plot and storyline they did not give us a narrative but more an idea, a concept of a world we're thrown into immediately. And we're catching on, as all of us do, with this sensory overload, as Drew put it so eloquently. We're just catching on to this story and this world, and it's fascinating, and it is enamoring. And it drew me in immediately. I enjoyed, from cinematically speaking, it was amazing. Uh, I think the writing was extremely well done. Now, this is something I wasn't expecting. The diversity on the show, which could be done, sure, on purpose, but it was skillfully done. And I was I was just captured by how diverse and the portrayal of this world, and it gave me a sense of there is a definite dynamic and dichotomy between our world and theirs. And that's why I wanted to start with that parallel thought mm. and discuss the similarities, of course, we saw with our world, but those subtle differences, Robert Redford being president and Vietnam being a state. What were other parallels that you saw between either just the world we live in now and the timeline and nods to the Watchmen, the graphic novel, and or movie. Ryan pointed out an owl cup. Mm. Yeah, an owl, an owl mug, uh, obviously referencing Night Owl. And they also had the owl uh, machine, the, the ship, owl 
I think it's the Night Owl ship. Uh, well, I thought, you know, with, with Night Owl, speaking of that, it looks like Regina King's character, Sister Night, was very inspired by that character because the uh, OG Night Owl was also a police officer by day, vigilante by night. And that looks, that's similar to her character, but she is a retired police officer, still affiliated with the police, which I thought was really interesting. We have a lot of new characters that weren't in this graphic novel. Uh, and I think that that's a really interesting way to just pursue this this story i'm really i was really surprised that it's all taking place in oklahoma i didn't expect that because from that opening scene okay i guess the watchmen are now all just central located in oklahoma and um so i thought that was really fascinating i mean you mentioned robert redford obviously i think that's taking the place of ronald reagan and not reaganomics but was it redford reparations which is a form of reparations and i'm assuming that's why we got the nod to such strong diversity and of course we also got the nod to racism when someone said is to regina's character is that how you were able to to angela is that how you were able to get your bakery yeah i mean and just more stuff with police i mean did you notice the whole opening sequence after the tulsa riot with uh, pulling the, the car over there's all these unique rules put in place where they need permission to get their guns and it has to be released remotely from a station. They've mm-hmm. put masks over the police officers' faces to, to I guess, hide their identities. Uh, and I, they referenced something that happened three years. The White years, Knight. The White Knight. Yes. Which I think we're going to learn more about moving forward. Did you pick up on any of that, Drew? Yeah, I thought you said that you thought it was kind of weird that it's in Oklahoma. I think it was actually really smart for it to be in Oklahoma because even if you think, like, in our world, politics-wise, like, mid-America, Midwest America was, like, kind of the focal point of you know, everyone forgets about us, whatever. So I thought it was interesting to have Oklahoma be the spot because that's, you know, I forget about Oklahoma every day. I forgot it was a state until they mentioned it. Well, it has its song. It has a song. And Don Johnson sang it very well. But what about references to similarities with our world, but subtle differences? We saw the flag was also different. The flag had the stripes, but there was a circle with stars in it. And there were seemed to be more stars, possibly. I mean, obviously, we know Vietnam is also a state, so there mm-hmm. could be other places. We also, Ryan mentioned the laws for police engagement. We saw that there were certain questions that were brought up specifically uh, that they had to answer. Panda said, probability of drugs and or alcohol, probability of weapons, overall perceived threats. These are things that we don't have in place today or at least we don't see them in place on end every day. Yeah, at all. It was it was interesting to watch just because, one, it's the race flip of it being a white guy pulled over for what looks like a random traffic stop. It didn't really look like he did anything wrong to get pulled over. Um, and then for him to kind of have the same behavior as we've seen, like, in our world where it's like, put your hands on the wheel. I mean, I'm sure you were taught very young, put your hands on the wheels, don't talk back. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'm going to, you know, directing what you're going to do before you do it. Um, it was really interesting to watch all of that and then to see them do the process of having to ask for, you know, was there alcohol, were there drugs? And seeing how it's kind of ridiculous that you should have to go through every single step, but there has to be to some. To get the release. for Yeah, the- just for the release. But there should be, I think they're implying like there should be some middle ground for it where in some our world it, there's clearly not a lot of thought into just pulling your gun. At times, and it's very unfortunate when we see that. That, that was a huge aspect in the differences of our timeline. As far as nods to the Watchmen, we we saw in my... I noticed the song Unforgettable. I noticed that when 
Don Johnson's character, Sheriff Crawford, was strung up. We saw the drip of blood end up on his sheriff badge, yeah. which, which was a nod to the comedian, comedian. of course, yeah. which is the which is actually the telltale sign of the Watchmen. Mm. So, were there any other graphic novel or movie mentions? And nods that I might have missed. Well, I mean, everything with the Rorschach mask. One thing, spoilers if you haven't read the graphic novel or seen the movie, at the end of this tale, uh, Rorschach has a journal about uh, this lie, essentially, they're telling the world in that um, this this monster that or this explosion in the movie, it's an explosion in the movie, monster in the book, that takes out half of New York City, um, which basically halts the Cold War and results in everyone, all sides working together to defeat this other being um, that was a facade. And uh, Ozzy, not Ozymandias, um, Dr. Manhattan kills Rorschach in attempt for him to not spread that truth because that truth could actually harm the world more than uh, help it. But he put it in a journal and he mailed it to a a newspaper outlet and it was always up in the air that was the big cliffhanger like did they publish it did they not so it's interesting to see now this white supremacist group using the Rorschach mask as their basically like their KKK uh, hoods and their masks in that way so I'm, I'm curious to see if that's revealed that if that story got published if that's the reason if that maybe plays into this white supremacist group and just connecting those dots. But that mask, for sure, is a reference to Rorschach. Um, and one other one that I noticed was that, you know, they show a, a few, like, really quick frames of Dr. Manhattan on Mars. So I guess he's still on Mars, because he goes to Mars at the end of the movie and the book. And as far as the journal, while we don't know if it was published or not, we do know they directly reference it, because the clauses that were in the journal are direct statements that the 7th Cavalry uses. Mm. And in their soliloquy to the masses. So they used those references specifically. And those were straight out of the journal. Wow. That's how we we know that. So if you guys at home know any parallel thoughts or any nods to the graphic novel or movie, we'd love to hear them. The more the merrier. Send us, let us know your comments below. We, of course, love hearing from you. Yes, and guys, please, thank you for making us the ESPN TV Talk. Like and comment on this video. And go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Thank you again for watching our show. We love interacting with you. So comment, send us your thoughts, tweet at us. Thanks for watching. We are going to be the number one Watchmen after show. That's for sure. Yes. I promise you that. So make sure to check us out. We have Drew on the panel, after all. <laughs> Drew, the opening of the 1921 Tulsa riot. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on that scene? It was, one, it's crazy that they even brought it up because that's something I don't think anyone ever, I learned about that story from my grandparents. I didn't learn about that in school. So just for it to even be acknowledged, I thought was crazy. But there are a lot of scenes that were really hard to watch. I think there's a scene where a a little boy or little girl's holding a dead baby and it's like, okay, cool. We're, we're going there first, like 15 seconds into this. Uh, We're just going to. We're going to go for it full, full fledged. It's a heavy sequence. Yeah. It's interesting you're saying you learned about it from your grandparents because I, I never learned about that in school. And even when it was happening at the end of the sequence, you said, oh, that's the bomb when a plane was flying over. 
I didn't know that that was there was a bombing. Well, when in they Tulsa. referenced 1921 Tulsa, immediately, immediately knew. I knew it was a reference to the riots. Wow. This is the biggest. It, it's noted as the biggest race riot in United States history. Mm-hmm. This is, for layman's term, the bombing of Black Wall Street. There was a section in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Greenwood, which was the most affluent Black community in the country, especially at the time, where it actually at times rivaled what we would consider mainstream. Also white America. So it was a huge threat. And in Oklahoma at the time, uh, being part of the South, being the temperament and the social climate of the 1920s, going into what would later, of course, be a big fall on Wall Street itself, it created a lot of tension between white and black America, especially in the South. And it was a riot. Now, Numbers estimate 100 to 300 people, African-Americans, murdered, uh, 6,000 people hospitalized, and over 10,000 people affected with their, with their homes. Socioeconomically, this was a tragedy to the black community, and the black community, honestly, in that manner, has never, ever, ever, uh, ever grouped together in that way again. And it's a detriment to what we see as American history. It's and that that character, the, the the child who you know his parents are just really trying to get him out of there alive, yes. and they leave a note saying, you know, protect this boy at all costs. At the end of this episode, we see the old man who's in the wheelchair who made one brief appearance earlier when Regina was just going into her office or her bakery. Her bakery. And he her just, Vietnamese bakery. Her Vietnamese bakery. And he makes a joke about, hey, do you think I could lift 200 pounds? Which, Which he so does because it's Don Johnson at the end. And we're going to, in my opinion, I'm going to assume that that character who we, from the trailer for the for the rest of the season, recognizes Will Reeves, 105 years old, I'm going to assume it's the little boy from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I'm also going to assume that Don Johnson's family had something to do with the, with the riots and the bombing from the picture that we saw. And I'm going to run with that, especially a lot more in predictions. Yes. That's where I'm going to go with. But... What were your thoughts as someone who wasn't aware of the Tulsa riots? I mean, to w- see this in the beginning of Watchmen, just the very first frames. It speaks on just how important you know stories like this and how uh, a medium like TV and a graphic novel can really uh, inform a lot of people. I think you know uh, using this show as an outlet to talk about these topics is uh, really incredible and and brave in some aspects. And I mean, I am now I feel like way more informed about the topic just from watching it in this show. And I think it's really interesting that uh, that's going to be a through line through the series, that there were even mentions of this Rorschach cult or white supremacist group using or making a bomb again in 2019 in this timeline. So it's an interesting through line. I think they're going to be referring to it throughout the entire rest of the season. Damon Lindelof does this with a lot of his shows. Drink! Drink in (laughs) in The Leftovers, the first scene of each season had some kind of it was from the past. It was a, a historical bit, reference. Historical reference from way back when, and it would have little themes throughout the entire season. So I think that's what he's doing here. Well, we get a lot of reference, and I'm glad you bring up the fact that it is a teaching moment because we get a lot of social commentary, police brutality, state of society, peace, racial relations, tensions, of course. We also get the police department. Sheriff Crawford steps in. 
What were your thoughts on Sheriff Crawford and those scenes that we saw from how the police conducted itself? There is a scene with um, the 7th Calvary, like when the 7th Calvary is doing their video or whatever, and the police are watching it. And it was really creepy because the way they were set up and the way the police they were set up was very similar. And it just made, I don't know, it made me feel really eerie. And I also don't really trust Judd that much. I mean, I know he's dead now, but the whole time I was like, I don't, I don't know if I try. I want to like you, but I don't think I trust you at all. Interesting. Not trusting Judd. Like police in, in general. There's just there's a lack of trust across the country and in this show, um, both in real life and in this, this series. So I think it, that's what's really fascinating about Regina King's character having been a cop and now she's also this vigilante. I think but, Siri re- responds to Regina King now. Siri, uh, <laughs> who's watching The Watchmen? Siri's watching The Watchmen. And she's listening to us. <laughs> all but, uh, the time. All the time. Snowden was right. Go on. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think that that lack of trust in uh, Officer Crawford is very justified. And it's, it's interesting that now, for the rest of the season, from that trailer, we're going to be maybe figuring his death. We'll save that for predictions. But yeah, I, I definitely didn't fully trust him too. I mean, he made a huge announcement to say, hey, I'm going to let you guys use your guns, which we know in this this period, in, in this version of 2019, they need special permission. And he did like a, a vote, like just a unanimous yes. Okay, you can all use your guns. You can all use automatic. Article 4, yeah. Article 4. Interestingly enough, I actually liked Sheriff Crawford. I enjoyed his character. I was surprised to see him die at the beginning of the episode. Very reminiscent of the comedian, of course. Now, when it comes to Sheriff Crawford and the police department, watching the police department and seeing what could be interpreted in some ways as a vigilante state and or a police state was very frightening in the social commentary aspect. I personally saw that dynamic, as you mentioned, Drew, regarding the Rorschach 7th Cavalry and their setup versus the police department setup. We see the masks covering their face, which is for the protection. I'm not one of the unbashed people that say we cannot trust all police officers. Unfortunately, a few bad police officers give all the good police officers and the hardworking men and women in, in the service a bad name and it's unfortunate in this scenario we see the the life and death situation that police officers are placed in in the beginning we get Tulsa and then right after that we get a stop by a black police officer on a white civilian seemingly civilian and the black police officer is killed black people just can't catch a break might not be killed (laughs) well he woke up Charles Sutton is alive, but he, as a police officer, is dead. I'm so sorry. They're hiding his identity. That was the intent. Right, right, right. And so, to me, it was, once again, social commentary at its best. Major. And we flip it. That police department, scary or not scary? Yes or no? I think scary. Scary. Even Panda's reaction to, you're making a huge mistake. You shouldn't do this. They seemed way too trigger-happy. For me to feel comfortable with them all getting permission to use. That's their because guns. we're using we're we're putting them in the scope of our world. Now, I want to know in the comments below, let's take a poll. The police department in Watchmen, their actions necessary or unnecessary? Do we justify the actions of the Sheriff Crawford Police Department? I mean, you even got to see they have a lot of 
quote-unquote supers on their side. Even Tim Blake Nelson's character, I believe it Looking was glass. Looking Glass. Looking His glass. interrogation scene Red. with the supposed, yeah, with the supposed uh, white supremacist was kind of horrifying. Just playing random images in the background, asking questions to throw him off, checking out his, if his pupils are dilated. Yeah. I mean, they're go- definitely going... Guantanamo Bay is very horrifying, Ryan. Yes. That's the thing. Un- unfortunately, these tactics are used today. Mm-hmm. We just don't see them and hopefully they don't happen on American soil, but it shouldn't be happening anywhere in the world, especially from the United States of America, as we consider ourselves the leaders of justice. Mm. Once again, a nod to social uh, social commentary by the show. What about Sister Knight? So we get a bunch of the supers, and I know, Ryan, you <sighs> are under the impression that she is retired mm. and now a vigilante, but I... Th- believe that she is part of the police department that supers have now been absolved by the police department because they're working together something that is very different than watchmen right that's my personal belief what were your opinions on sister knight regina i'm she's the mother i never knew i had um she's the friend i've always needed no i was a first of all i'm already like give her an emmy but sister knight like as the character um is badass for a lot of reasons one i just think it's really cool to see someone who doesn't pass the paper bag test be put on a show and then be in a badass role and it not turn into the bitter angry black woman but her like her moodiness or whatever be used as part of like her power i think that's really cool um Paper bag test, of course, referring to her skin color being darker than uh, the average paper yeah, bag, which is most black women on TV look like me, and that's not an accurate representation of black women. For some, it is, but it's not. I mean, we're a spectrum, so it's cool to see someone like Regina King on there and not be the bitter black woman trope, and it be like her allowed to have feelings, and it be still rooted in strength rather than her being bitter and her being badass, and you know. Um, being kind of like the backbone for Chief and for everyone is cool to see. I really appreciate that. Also, for all the people at home that will be starting the race commentating trolling, just remember, these are tropes that are brought up in the show itself. So, don't hate the messengers, hate the message. And that means don't watch Watchmen, but then again, you're going to be missing out on what is this this amazing series that will be the Watchmen. Ryan. Yeah, that's such a good point Drew brought up. Uh, I mean, Dame, again, drink one, Damon Lindelof, <laughs> huge fan of Regina King, and she is one of the best actresses working today from If Beale Street Could Talk to she was in The Leftovers, and mm. it's an incredible character as well. She elevates every role that she is cast in, and yeah, she's a complete badass in this. Sister Knight is awesome. What an awesome lead character to follow through this series, and kind see this world through her eyes uh just that whole sequence of her suiting up going to that junkyard dragging the guy out saying i, I could smell white supremacist what a badass that line bleach. that bleach. line was bleach. so good wow yeah she is really really cool uh and i think it's gonna be really fascinating to see to follow her her character progress throughout i mean even at the end there she just gets that call suits up has a shotgun in her bed what? Uh, 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 and the bed just right what? above, just in case. So cool. And then has one under the fireplace if anyone even pulls up to our street. Don't let them get to the porch. I was like, wow, she is awesome. 
Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. I didn't know who Regina King was before this show. Oh, really? No, of course I knew <laughs> Regina King. Oh, really? This is why Tehran no, is my nemesis. No, Tulsa Riot. No, of course I knew Regina King. <laughs> Regina King might have been your mother. This was my bae. I love... <laughs> I love me some Regina King. As you should. I have always loved Regina King. Okay? Yeah. I've always loved Regina King. So it's great to see her be the strong, amazing woman, period, mm-hmm. who is handling situations. And something in her personal life, the concept of her adopting these white children, very interesting. It's We often see in the white savior show the other other way. Right. The trope is white family adopts black child, saves black child, a la blind, blind side. However, in this, we see a, a, a truly adoring family. This is a mother and a father. She's married to Cal, and they have three children, and it's a wonderful family. And it's career day. And it's career day. <laughs> and we see her go and discuss her bakery business, and on top of that, her Retirement story right. <laughs> from White Knight. Thoughts on that retirement story? I think everyone has that family member who tells too much about their past around children, and you're like, chill, 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 chill. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really amusing scene, and I like that her son Topher wasn't playing games about his mama. Yeah, and I mean, what a weird kid in the background, just like, hey. Was that Redford Parations or whatever it was? Like, shut up, guy. I don't even know how he knows about all that. Like, he's, from he's his like parents. seven from years his old. That's how it starts. Jeez, just like speaking up. How'd you pay for that bakery? Like, come on, guy. Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, interesting story. It does. It sounds like you know the bakery's not up and running quite yet, and I think that's a good cover for her her vigilante story. I mean, we all, every hero has one. So I think that that's, that's a really fascinating one. I hope that I want to, I'm kind of predicting whether or not that bakery gets up and running by the end of the season. I don't know. It is clearly a front. We get the little bighorn text, Mm. which she's wondering why it hasn't come before. The little bighorn, of course, referring specifically to Custard's last stand and the seventh cavalry, which we realize the seventh cavalry are the group of the bad guys. Or are they? But yes, they are. They definitely so, are. It's like, ah, I'm pretty sure the bad. You know, you know what's interesting when it comes to Seven Cavalry? I don't know if I, I disagree with their ideology and not with their racism. And unfortunately with them, we cannot separate the two. Mm. Remember, they're based on, from what we understand, no, simply knowing the truth. They are a white supremacy version of Occupy Wall Street. They are a white supremacy version of Snowden. So, unfortunately, they are attached to white supremacy, but their baseline principle, I don't know, it might not be so bad. That's a fascinating point, because it's the pursuit of of freedom and knowing of the most, freedom? but at the same time, it's all based on this ideology that's not free whatsoever and is really horrible. <laughs> but it makes me think of... Because you said, like, freedom and truth. It kind of makes me think of this saying that's, like, if ever a lot of people or white supremacy is rooted in oppression because if there was equality, like, if there was actually equality, you, like, you don't feel it's free because it's, you have to change your ways. Because, like, obviously, like, in this timeline as well. So the concept is, of course, that to the privileged, equality feels like oppression. That's what it is. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. That's the saying. But I feel like... Are they looking for the truth or do they not like the truth because it doesn't benefit them? 
Or are they simply anarchists who sent... We get this nod to in Batman, The Dark Knight, where mm. there are simply people who just want to see the world burn. Right. Are they ideologists or are they anarchists with an intent to destroy civil society? Well, and also, they're no one and everyone, and that was in their speech in that video. Uh, I bet we get some reveals of certain police officers or other characters that might be closeted Rorschach white supremacists, if that's what we're calling them, the 7th uh, Cavalry. Closet 7th Cavalry. And, I mean, back going just back to another comparison of The Leftovers, there, that, that show explored cults a lot with um, The Guilty Remnant. And there was this whole idea that, you know, you never really know what someone truly believes, and they could be like a closet Guilty Remnant, a closet 7th Cavalry. So I bet we do get some reveals down the line. For all we know, I don't think Don Johnson was one of them, but he has this troubled past where maybe some of these ideologies that the 7th Cavalry believes in fall in line with his beliefs and his past. My sentiment regarding the 7th Cavalry is in a time where terrorism and mass shooting is so populous, this is definitely a nod to all of the above. The disgruntled white male. We see this, of course, with the movie Joker, and we see a parallel with the movie Joker, which is there is a person who ignites this flame, and now we can't put it out. In the Joker movie, we see a bunch of Jokers Mm -hmm. obviously abusing and parading in the streets. Here with the Rorschachs, 7th Cavalry, they're all wearing a similar mask. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll find out much more about that. It's a great comparison. The raid on that cattle ranch. (laughs) Those poor cows. <laughs> Those poor cattle. That, cows. Wow. Wow, Bessie. I, I'm sure there Bessie. was a there was a vegan watching who just died on the inside watching that. Let's let's assume that of course no animals were actually harmed in the making of the show. I didn't see that. What sign. did you think about that <laughs> scene? In, in terms of action, I mean, that was an incredible action scene. Another reason to just praise uh, Regina King as Sister Knight. Just a really awesome action scene. The smoke, the the gun, and the this this plane that almost gets away, which they I thought they were looking at them through a, um, what is it called, a U, UAV, where they can just see the heat signatures of the people from mm-hmm. the sky. But no, they were in the owl ship, and they immediately were just like, yep, they're right under you. And they swoop in, flame it. And then they crash land and everyone's all right. Kind of a fun scene uh, to relieve the tension when right after they crash, they pop out and they're just starting to laugh. Like, wow, that was crazy. And Sheriff Crawford asks asks Sister Knight, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah. I normally don't like scenes where it's like super dark like that. But for some reason, how they, I guess like how they filmed it looked really cool. And it again kind of gave me the whole sensory overload thing. But I felt, like, very excited and kind of anxious because I was like, I don't really know what's going on. I just see bits of cows explode. Like, it was just a lot to take in. But um, I do like how they kind of, like, relieved all the anxiety by having him pop out and, like, make the joke. Right. By the way, that artillery that they used, that's to bring down aircraft carriers. I just want you to know (laughs) that they were using some wild, wild weapons. A lot of guns. We also see... That concept with the synthetic lithium batteries, which I'm sure we'll find out more what they're trying to make. It seems like a cancer bomb or a bomb of some type. Very dangerous. Riding dirty. We get this uh, William Reese character with the wheelchair. That was quite an ending. Quite an ending. 
Yeah. What did you think? I well, when he said the t- when he said the two hundred pound thing in the beginning, I already was like. You don't just throw it in there. Yeah, you don't just foreshadow. Like, yeah, I was like, "What's about to happen here? What's going on?" Like he already gave me, you know, he made me very sus. I didn't so realize suspicious. he was the the kid from the beginning, though. I felt I was waiting for. I thought he might. Be, I think I, so. I we don't know. I, I think yeah. so. he had the page. That's what I, I could, believe. So he had the lean notice. That he, yeah, he had the page that said, "Keep this boy safe." Keep this boy. Right. So I, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I think the. I'll save that for predictions. Yeah, we haven't gotten that reveal yeah. yet. We haven't gotten that reveal yet, okay, but it was, okay. it was great to see that. And of course, then we get this separate total scene at this country estate where the master of the estate rolls up. We meet Alphonse, Mr. Cro- Mrs. Crookshanks, Mr. Phillips, and the watchmaker's son is a play. <laughs> Who is this guy? Ozymandias? Yes. I mean, yes, yes we're assuming and right. hoping... That's the concept. Well, and what's really fascinating about that, you know, his name is Vite, also known as Ozymandias. It's a superhero name. There's an earlier shot in the show where someone's just reading a newspaper and it says Vite is dead. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he might be in hiding, secretly alive. We know, you know, he's he has a huge role to play in the graphic novel and film where he is the reason for essentially saving but also killing a lot of mankind. Uh, so he's going you know, to have a huge role to play, especially from that trailer we saw at the end. But yeah, what an odd sequence with two servants just talking very proper and giving him a horseshoe to yeah. cut the cake. And he just eats one bite of the cake and doesn't <laughs> seem to like it, really, and pushes it. Like, I was really confused. I thought it was a dream sequence for a second or two. I, maybe that was real. That's I, that's what I love about the show. It, throw, it thrusts you in there instead of over-explaining you will find out. It, it trust in the show. It's all of his shows. And trust you- in the show is what it's all about. I'm so glad we're getting to that because buy or sell. Let's get into that segment. Buy or sell. Yes, it's the same where there's an aspect of the show. Whether you like it, you buy it. And if you don't like it, you sell it. I am buying cattle as a shield against heavy artillery. That was crazy. I mean, she was... It just kept chipping away on the side of the ribs. It proved to be a pretty awesome cover for her, so I am definitely buying that while I am selling the whole... We're going back to Ozymandias. I'm selling this whole notion of... I, I think that that was a dream sequence. There's no way that was real life. I'm selling if that was real life. What an awkward... Back and forth, you know, Damon Lindelof, Drink One, is making you ask more questions than answering them. And I have a ton of questions about that sequence. Drew. Okay. Um, I am buying... Um, I'm buying <laughs> Sister Knight, just in general. Cha-ching. I'm just, obs- like, I'm legitimately obsessed with it. We're on board. I'm already, I'm already like, cool, Comic-Con 2020, what's up? I'm in there, <laughs> like, swimwear. I'm selling... Um, the cows. I you selling the cows? I didn't. That was too much for me. That was too much. I was like, this is just what they do. They can't buy it. it. Oh, I can't. It was. I was like, oh, I'm not eating red meat for a while. I am <laughs> selling the ideas of cows as well. I do wow. not believe those cows would be able to stop that heavy artillery simply because it pierces armored trucks. Mm. So it would go through those cows <laughs> like butter through knives. Now. I enjoyed the scene immensely. Mm-hmm. It's a great tone setter. Yeah, you like that. I enjoyed it. However, when you give a show, and I like this new new nod that superhero shows are more realistic than ever, then possibly be more realistic. Okay. No one got shot. Someone's getting shot. Right. Someone's getting shot in that situation. What I am buying, what I am buying is the show overall. 
This show, I am a huge fan. Immediately, I cannot wait till next week. This looks like possibly the best show on television. I'm so glad that DC gave this one to HBO so it can be done right. As I am watching shows like The Titans and, of course, the the epic uh, failed Swamp Thing that happened and Doom Patrol. All of those shows were great, and I thought it, you couldn't do it better. Right. And then Watchmen comes along, and literally, literally, it just made me know that the bar has been taken up several, several notches. So I am buying Watchmen. I'm also possibly selling that sludge that fell from the sky. The we don't sludge? Even, we don't know what that was you exactly. Know what? I am, I'm baby also, squid? It looked like oh, baby squid, squid, but I didn't I know it what was it was. slugs at first. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. We aren't sure. Let's get into some news and gossip, shall we? After Buzz TV News. <laughs> Maybe we can find something out. News and gossip. Yeah, news and gossip. Okay, well, Damon Lindelof, drink again. <laughs> Took to Instagram this morning, <laughs> basically doing an open letter, five pages to fans of the graphic novel Watchmen. Uh, just brief summarize summarization. He was just saying he was offered this show three times over the past ten years. He always declined it. Alan Moore, the writer, uh, never wanted it to be adapted in the first place. And WB called him up, basically saying, "Hey, we're moving on with or without you." And he hopped on the opportunity. Also, he low-key really wanted to do it. He had a great, beautiful excerpt about how his father showed this to him at a very young age, which might not be okay. But he <laughs> said it was really awesome because it developed his sense of storytelling from here and here out. Uh, Watchmen deals with a lot of flashbacks, flash forwards, which he implements in all of his shows with this non-linear format for the storytelling. And at the end, he talks about when his dad was on his dying deathbed, how they were still quoting Watchmen. He was thanking him for that series. So really fascinating. And he just implores that the fans of Watchmen take a chance, but will understand if they don't like it. And, you know, back to buy or sell. I'm buying the show and I'm buying this panel, Drew and You can't afford this this show! (laughs) I will say that reading that excerpt was excellent. It was an excellent read and it is reminiscent of Dr. Manhattan's origin where it's told in non-linear format. It reminded me exactly of Dr. Manhattan. So possibly uh, Damien sees himself as the blue man. Let's get into some predictions! And now, you're After Buzz TV. When was the Drew. last? I Drew. need Drew. Okay. I need Drew okay. to give me some predictions all the way through. I think that Angela is somehow related to the baby that um, the, the little boy had. The baby, the, the William Reeves character yes. that we're assuming is the boy, yeah. holds in his arm. Yeah, because I think that was a baby girl. It, in the beginning, it looked like a baby girl. But then again, with babies, you could never tell. Yeah, so I think she's somehow related to that baby. Interesting. Not the baby, the rapper, but right. the baby in the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up this trailer we got after the credits. Usually they give a sneak peek of next week's show. This was a trailer for the rest of the season, which is very unusual. Uh, so, ton to predict off of that. I love that prediction, Drew. I'm going with, I think that Ozzy Mandias is going to try to rehash his plan from the graphic novel and movie, which was to wipe out a large portion of mankind to save all mankind. Similar to Thanos. The like Thanos manifesto the Thanos that manifesto. everyone goes for. And, I mean, yeah, there's no way they just introduce him and have him doing random sequences with his two butlers. I There's got to be an, an overall arc Two right butlers there. and a maid. Let's be butler gender and neutral here. Thank butler you. and a maid. Well, I thought that was actually... Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so... And also, I'm... I'm 
predicting that we get a cameo from Robert Redford. <laughs> 30 years in office, and it's still a little unclear if he's still in office right now. I hope he is, and I hope we see him. Retired from acting, I bet he came out of retirement for this show. I predict that we will get a an origin story to how the vigilantes and the police combined. We're going to get a lot more understanding of what this White Knight was. This is going to play a huge part in the show. And I think 7th Cavalry is going to be fielded by somebody who's leading them who we will not be suspecting. So let's stay tuned for that. Of course, I have learned to expect the unexpected. Ryan, I have a question for you. If I defecated on the American flag, how would you feel? Uh, confused. Should all Americans pay taxes? Yes. Are you a member or do you associate with members of the white supremacist group, the 7th Cavalry? No. Ryan, where can people find you, you on find, you can, social media? You can find me at Ryan Nelson underscore at Ryan Nelson underscore TikTok TikTok. Oh, snap. Drew. And I'm Drew Jones. You guys can follow me on all the things at OK Drew J and hang out with me on Tuesdays for Black Lightning and The Flash. I do. I hang out with her all the time. Who am I? I am Tehran, literally at I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N, all across the social atmosphere. And find me hosting and paneling on a slew of other AfterBuzz After Shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows, too. Until next week, we will be talking season-long HBO's Watchmen Season 1. Bye! Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.